Due to the shortness of chapter 12, I have included two chapters, 12 and 13. Please enjoy. Chapter 12, The Weapon. 20 minutes later in the engineering lab, Chief O'Toole is putting the finishing touches on the TC-12 probe modifications. Pass me the octo-wrench, Jinx. Chief inserts the final eight bolts into the probe and instructs Jinx to place the probe in slot one of the probe bays. Once the probe is in place, the Chief slides his fingers down across his privy com. Engineer here, TC-12, probe ready. Commander Hong, acknowledge. Captain Sir, the modified TC-12 probe is ready to be deployed. The captain orders the commander to launch the probe and set the speed of the probe to maximum. Captain already finished with his salad, stands up and drinks the last drop of juice from his glass. He looks at his guests. Excuse me, Ambassador. Duty calls. And I think you should accompany me to the bridge. The two men exit the mess. Back at the racer bay, Commander Boone is giving his squad the duties and importance of the new racer class fighters. He tells the squad that they are about to make history as the first racer squadron stationed on a Galaxy-class cruiser. He informs them that they will serve the same function here as they would serve aboard a battle carrier. He stresses how the squadron will be able to give the Star Crusher more fighting power during battle. He tells them that one good thing about having racers on a Galaxy-class cruiser is that the enemy will not be able to determine the cruiser firepower. Pointing to the panel on the rear wall, Captain Boone instructs them. We had three launch bays, one forward and two in the aft of the ship. I want you all to familiarize yourself with all three. Commander Boone's privy comm goes off. Commander, please report to the bridge. Captain out. Commander Boone turns to Lieutenant Morse and gives him the command. The captain gathers his senior officers once again to plot a strategy to bypass the black holes. The new data from the probe has proven to be very helpful. The probe revealed that one of the three objects that was not a planet or moon, but the artificial intelligence. Upon further research and enhancement of the picture of the seventh pictile, the object became clear, and the officers found themselves looking at a perfect black sphere and what looked like 10 probes. The captain ordered the computer to calculate the mass of the sphere and compare it to an earth vessel. The computer analysis put the object as the size of a class one mass ship. Everyone in the room is sure the spear has something to do with the rogue black holes. With that conclusion, the group puts their focus on the pro-black objects that seem to be receiving data from the spear. It seems as if the spear is triangulating the movements of the probes and possibly giving the signal to form the black holes. Commander Hong orders the VAPCOM to increase the pictile to 10. Even though he knows Taking the pictile to 10 on an object so far could result in blurriness, but the picture shows a faint light at the northern hemisphere of the object. The captain turns to Commander Hong. Please focus on grid 4D4, D4D, and run distortion pattern delta and the continued playback. The pattern delta confirms their presumptions and reveals a clear signal originating from the lighted spot on top of the sphere and transmitting data toward the probes. Captain Bifford states the obvious. It was seen we're dealing with an artificial black hole device, a weapon or whatever. Siddle looks at the captain. How do you suppose it got here? The captain, not knowing the answer himself, turns to his senior officers. Chief O2 is the first one to speak up. I think the first course of action is to disable the spear. 
The captain points out that the star crusher would be swallowed up by one of those black holes before she even got into firing range. Lieutenant Roberts interjects, what about taking out the alien probes first? Commander Hong explains to the team that it looks as if the alien probes are emitting an energy source that may be a force field. And by the time we bypass it, we will be swallowed up by one of the black holes. He points at the Vabcom. The options is to take out the control device, the spear. Commander Boone is the next to speak. He tells the officers that the races are faster and their maneuverability could be the solution. Chief O2 is quick to agree and asks that the races are fast. It might work if we have a racer drop mat drones in front of its forward flight path to trigger the black holes. It would give the racers time to adjust its course to avoid the black holes. Commander Hong notes that there is a two-second feed in the signal from the spear, and that would mean a two-second delay between the generating of the black holes. Commander Hong and Boone agree with the chief. Sitter reiterates his point on diplomacy, on what would be the protocol if the inhabitants want to communicate when they notice their defense had been destroyed. The captain tells the ambassador that the racer will keep an open comm channel to the star crusher so that the inhabitants will be able to respond if they deem it necessary. Captain Bifford looks back at the monitor. I hope the dispersed lasers or torpedoes can destroy that thing. Lieutenant Roberts calmly comments, I hope that is the only thing out there. Commander Hong points out that they will need to talk at the top of the spear where the signal is originating from. Since everyone is in agreement and knows what needs to be done, the captain orders Commander Boone to have a racer ready to deploy in 40 Earth minutes. He tells Chief O2 to prepare the drones and notify the bridge when they are mission ready. Before dismissing everyone, he tells them that if this does not work, it will result in loss of life and possibly mission failure, and he can't have that. He then dismissed the officers. Chapter 13, Do Us Proud. Commander Boone's Chronicle. With the first mission being worked out for the racer squadron, I find myself pondering over which pilot to assign to the mission. Lieutenant Moss is my best pilot, and Lieutenant Jerko is my best gunner. Taking into consideration that maneuverability through the black holes is of the utmost importance, I have come to the conclusion that Lieutenant Moss is more suited for this mission. Chronicles close. Commander Boone slides his finger down across his privy tongue. Lieutenant Moss, please report to my office. Lieutenant Moss acknowledges the order and turns to his closest friend. Lieutenant Surrey Joko. Surrey slaps his friend on the back. Tam, it looks like you get the first mission. Tam closes his locker, walks toward the exit, and turns. Hold down the fort, Surrey. I will be back. And don't forget, you still owe me that Boston ale. Surrey winks and clicks his finger. Lieutenant Morris walks out onto the deck bay and makes his way across the deck to Commander Boone's office. Halfway across the deck, he noticed Lieutenant Martel Sanders performing PFM, pre-flight maintenance, on her racer. Lieutenant Martel, feeling the steel of Lieutenant Morris, turns and notices him, smiling at her. Having a slight crush on him, Lieutenant Martel returns the smile and waves. Lieutenant Morris returns the wave and continues toward Commander Boone's office. The lieutenant rings the doorbell to the commander's office. Enter, shouts Commander Boone. Lieutenant Morris enters and takes the position of parade rest. Commander Boone looks up from his desk and orders the lieutenant to be at ease and take a seat. Commander Boone starts in on the mission, telling the lieutenant that the mission he is about to assign him is very dangerous. He proceeds to brief him on the enemy 
that even with the star crusher technology cannot be seen clearly and that they have very little intelligence on it. He points out that the weapon they are up against seems to be beyond their technology and that his mission is to destroy that weapon. Lieutenant Morris is no less gung-ho than all young officers. I understand, sir. I can destroy it. The commander orders the lieutenant to focus his attention on the war vacuum. Commander Boone runs the recording from TC-12 probes and then pauses the recording and zooms in on the frame where the spear appears. He points to the picture stating, that is your target. Lieutenant Morris confirms his target assignment, but is curious about the black hole in the previous frame. The commander points out that what he saw was multiple black holes and that the race of flight path will be directly over them. Lieutenant's eyes widen. Over, sir? Yes, Lieutenant, replies the commander. He then proceeds to explain to the Lieutenant that the spear is the object generating the black holes. And to avoid triggering the black holes upon approach, he will be deploying mat drones. He tells him that each black hole has only a two-second delay point before it is generated, and the drones will trigger the hole, giving the racer less than a second to avoid being sucked in. Lieutenant Morris, realizing the time between the black holes forming, tilts his head down to the right and back. Sir, a .5 burst, I would guess. That is tricky. Yes, it is, replied the commander. It will be like playing hopscotch, Lieutenant. Hopscotch, sir? replies the lieutenant. Commander Boone tells his best pilot that it's an old earth game mostly played by girls, but he will be okay and not to worry about it. Lieutenant Morris smiles and asks the commander, what if the spear talks him and not the drones? Or better yet, it talks both the racer and the drone. Commander Boone tells him not to worry. Commander Hong thinks the spear can only generate one hole at a time and it seems to go for the closest object. Commander Boone switches the VAPCOM from the probe recording to the mission simulation. The two officers watch the simulation as the racer hops its way toward the spear and destroys it. Upon completion of the simulation, Commander Boone looks straight at Lieutenant Mars. Think you can handle it? Lieutenant replies yes and asks when the mission will take place. Commander Boone clicks off the VAPCOM, gets up from his seat, walks over to Lieutenant Mars with his hands out. Lieutenant Mars stands up and shakes the commander's hand. Commander Boone looks at his watch and tells the lieutenant he has about 20 minutes to go and prepare his racer. Before Lieutenant Morris can get out the door, Commander Boone comments, This is the first mission for the racer squadron. Morris, do us proud. Dismiss. Be with us next time. Chapter 14, Grid Access.